What is up, Yogi? So, my bro came over last night and he, uh, he was doing basically a grounding ritual on my anus and he was just gently fingering my root chakra and uh, it felt really good, really grounding, really great way to do some bro bonding uh, akin to my Celtic ancestors, his Celtic ancestors who would also suck each other's nipples, share each other's beds before battle. They would do certain penis worship rituals in the forest with their bros. You know, I don't want to be all judgmental, you know, but this is sick. It's sick and wrong. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. Kate Rambo, happy yeah. Easter. Please don't say anything to me about, I like, you know, I'm not into religion. I don't celebrate it. I just find it offensive that you'd even try and wish me joy. Wish me misery. That's what I want. Well, I wasn't referring to the religious holiday of Easter. I was referring to the pagan and Wiccan holiday of Easter. Well, I'm still not one of them either, am I, mate? I am without religion. So t- well, wish me misery. the spring misery. equinox. It's enjoying the spring with, with sacrifices to your pagan gods. I do find it really funny, though, with Easter. When you look at, when you look up, uh, or when you mention to a Christian, you look it up online and you say, like, the Christians just pretty much ripped off this pagan holiday and added well, their own touch to it. they killed all the pagans. And yeah. associated it with, like, you know, the resurrection of Jesus. But it was a pagan holiday. The source, the original holiday of Easter was Istra or Astara, I think, Ustara or something. Um, that was the original source. That's where Easter came from. But Christians would be like, no, no, it didn't. We didn't rip it off. We didn't do it. It's ignorant for you to say that. It's like, no, you did. You, and you did the same thing with Christmas. You took certain Chris- pieces of pagan traditions and you appropriated it for your own holiday. Christians being hypocritical? That's never happened before in history, D. What you talk about? Well, I just find it funny because Christians get so uptight about this and so upset when you mention, like, well, yeah, you guys basically plagiarize someone else's holiday. Isn't, I've always, because I was also brought up about religion, I do get confused with Easter. I do know that this is the day that, so this is the day that the Jews, no, it was the Romans who killed uh, Jesus, wasn't it? Yeah, but the Jews kind of uh, cajoled the Romans into doing it. Right. We're but, very persuasive people. So Easter is about celebrating the death of someone. Well, no, the the resurrection. Which is bullshit because he's a zombie. Oh, yeah, zombie, zombie Jesus. Jesus. Zombie Jesus. Day. Yeah. Can I just say, this is probably the nerdiest thing I will ever, ever say, and I promise to never say it again, but Jesus had one resurrection. Jean Grey has probably had about 12. So suck my cock, Jesus. <laughs> Very nerdy. But but Very. it's funny because Christians will argue that this is like, you know, their own holiday. But no, it it isn't. It isn't. There's no celebration of, of Easter in the New Testament. Early church people celebrated it. Um, and, and they offer their sunrise services at Easter, which is a pagan solar celebration. That's a tradition that the pagans did. And then all the fun, like the things about Easter like the, that are fun, that the kids love, like the bunnies and all that. That's also a leftover from a pagan, the pagan festival of Easter, 
There's the you know the the, the goddess whose symbol was a, a rabbit or you know or a hare. Like that, that's where that, that comes from. And the exchange of eggs is also an ancient custom. So kind they just ripped all that shit it. off. I would, I would like to point out, though, that the Christians have given us something. And modern times has completely uh, judged it up. And that's hot cross buns, which now come in crazy, insane amount of flavors. And I have been sampling them all this year. Although I am sad I didn't try the cheese ones because I'm a bit wary of them. Like, you'll never have had a hot cross bun. Because I think they're, I think they're European slash British. Do you I have them in America? I, I ever did, but that was also ripped off. That was another pagan tradition. What they made hot cross buns with the fucking cross. That I don't Jesus think they called them it's hot like cross the buns. Joke. They didn't call them hot cross buns, but they were like big, a specific kind of bread that they did for the spring equinox. Christians branded it with the crosses. That, that's what I'm saying. These guys just fucking rip off your fucking material. These Christians. Well, yeah, of course they do. It's you know, dog eat dog out there, isn't it, mate? God, if I was doing stand up, I wouldn't want them at my show. Well, I don't think they would come to your show, do you? <laughs> D, I do have a joke for you, though. What are Jesus's pronouns? What? Oy vey. Oy vey. I don't know if I get it. <laughs> uh, everyone who is under the age of 40 gets it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll have to think about that. Can you explain it to me after the show? We will have a very long discussion where I'll probably end up drawing diagrams like the time when I had to describe to you that the menstrual cycle lasts 30 days and not just a week. Like that time, it'll be like that. Yeah, I still don't quite understand how women can be on their period for 30 days every we, month. Right, the, the period is part of the menstrual cycle that occurs for 30 days. It's well, you were saying it. the period, the period lasts 30 days. The period technically does last 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I still I still don't understand that. Explain that to me again, along with your uh, Jesus joke. But anyway, back to Easter. Do they do that? Is it like a thing in England? Do they do the egg hunts and oh, yeah, the chocolate they... bunnies, and you go around and find the eggs? It's a four-day weekend. Wow, you guys get four days off. You get the Friday well, and the Monday off? Not shift workers like me or blue-collar workers, or if you're in retail. Well, if you're in, like, uh, if you're working in the... Uh, the restaurant industry right now you're, you're like hammered but yeah i mean if brits can take a holiday and be like can we center this around drinking and the government goes yeah that'll be a great boom for our economy let's do it then we will create a holiday out of anything but we Four some days. people at work were telling me that easter sunday they would get dressed up in like their finest dresses and they would go around all their relatives house and all their relatives would give them eggs and sometimes they would get money Never did that. Not once. Easter was not celebrated in my heathen household. We did. did you, I didn't. E we didn't even have a dinner, so did I they, didn't even know. Did they do anything at school? Not that I can remember, but I didn't like my mum managed to get me out of every church service that ever happened in school because I'd be like, "Oh, mum, they're gonna do this in school." I felt from like I probably went to it when I was like in like the lower years. But as soon as I turned, like, as soon as puberty came knocking at the door, I was like, Mom, I don't want to go to, like, that church service, so can you write me a note? And I would just come home and play Tomb Raider. Wait, you went to a religious school? No, but lots of schools in Britain, like, make you sing hymns and shit. What? Yeah, oh my did God. you not my, know that? No, my father would have been so upset. I remember when I graduated high school, they wanted to say a prayer, and me and Kessler were like, no, you can't. That's fair enough. And, uh, yeah, uh, and the Miss Pat... 
she got really upset about it. And then uh, I went, I got my dad involved. And he called the school and was like, no, there's going to be a lawsuit if you do something like this. Didn't the rabbi get upset once that a takeaway had a prayer in it and they didn't have a a Jewish prayer? Not a takeaway, it was a restaurant. But no, he did it. And yeah, anytime he saw like a prayer in like a public place like that, he thought it was uh, exclusionary, discriminatory, get really upset. But the thing is with Easter, obviously I never participated in any of these events. And I can't recall when I was a, a kid in South Africa that, I don't recall them doing religious stuff at school. So I don't think that was a thing. But, you know, it wasn't until I was probably, what, in my late 20s that I ever actually experienced Easter. And it was with my ex, um, my ex, uh, Heather. And I I went to, I went to like her, was actually, this is kind of a funny story. I helped hide eggs with her for, um, for her, niece to find and it was at the house of that offspring singer dexter holland because right, her sister yeah. was dating him at the time they weren't married but they were dating i think they're married now um and he had actually i think once he got married he adopted the child i can't remember her name but she was only probably six or seven years old at the time and so and her mom who is who is my girlfriend's sister was like a playboy model like she's really attractive but she was kind of a snarky twat too like she loved to like she loved to make fun of me which i can understand because that's that's that is kind of that is fun i can i can understand that um but anyway she told her kid while we're over there we just hid eggs and we're kind of sitting in the kitchen and she told her kid she's like sd if he celebrates easter and so the the kid was like do you celebrate easter and i was like no i'm I'm jewish we celebrate passover and she was like what's that? And I said, it's a holiday to commemorate the time the Israelites escaped slavery in Egypt. And so she was just kind of looking at me. She's like, so do you have candy? I was like, no, we're we're not allowed to eat candy or bread for for about a week, for seven days. And she was like, and she kind of looked at me like, uh, she goes, do you hide Easter eggs? I was like, no, we hide matzah. And she was like, what's that? And I was like, it's kind of like a cracker. You know, and you and she was. Why would someone want that? And I was like, because it's, you hide the you hide the cracker, and then you get it. You find money, and you get you get money. Oh, like, you know? so I'd rather have the money than any. I don't like Easter eggs. I'm not well, a big fan thing, of milk chocolate. But that's the thing. I want the, Easter, the money. But the Easter eggs. So, so I've heard a lot of them. They they have money in them now. No, 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 no. They don't. They're just that, Easter eggs. Unless no, but, you get the plastic ones that you can put your own shit inside. Well, that's what they do. I was talking to people at my work yesterday, and they oh. said, "Yeah, my uh, coworker Mike was like, yeah, he goes, we have to hide two golden eggs, and the golden eggs have twenties. Why? Why it's do like, this? I, Why, you don't have to do anything. I guess it's just part of their tradition. But with no, the with that. the matzah, it's called the afikomen. If you found it, you would get you would get money. And so she was like, well, how much? I was like, how much money? And I was like, I don't know. My dad would usually give us like a dollar. And she was like, a dollar? Yeah. And she was just I like a dollar. She goes, if I, she goes, if I find the golden egg, I get $100. And I was like, what? That's, I was like, no. I was like, you don't get that much for matzah. And she's like, well, your holiday sucks. And Is I was that just not thinking, when you went, fuck you, you're adopted? <laughs> well, I was just kind of like, well, well, she wasn't adopted. Her birth mother was was my uh, oh, it was the Playboy sister, Bunny? But... I'd be like, oh my god, you're related to Dexter Holland. He ado- he adopted. He ended up adopting her. But I was just kind of like looking at this little girl. And I'm like, you know, the holidays does kind of suck. I mean, Passover kind of sucks. 
It's like you spend a week not eating bread. You can't eat candy. You don't really get much money. And I don't think Jews are giving you $100 for a fucking piece of broken matzah. I'm kind of with the Jew holiday, though, because you're going to lose weight. You might earn a little bit of money. All that chocolate is unhealthy anyways. And plus, you have that that triangle pastry, which is fucking delicious. That's, so I that's, would rather have the triangle pastry. That's a different holiday. You are not allowed to eat what? that on Passover. That's Purim. That's a different holiday. Oh, right. Well, I really like that triangle pastry. What's it called? Yeah, those are good. It's called a hamantaschen. The hamantaschen. But you wouldn't be allowed I, to so... eat anything good. That's the thing. That's what sucked about Passover is my dad was really strict about it. They take all the good food and throw it out. So all no you bread. have is like matzah in the house and just other shitty Passover food. I would just eat Taco Bell every night and just just not eat anything at home. <laughs> but I remember as a kid, a as a kid, I was like really bitter. I'm like, you know, this is some fucking bullshit. You know, sure, the Jews might have escaped Egyptian slavery like 20,000 fucking years ago. You know, who cares? Why can I not eat, you know, a fucking piece of pizza for a week now because of this? It just, oh, the true. whole thing pissed me off. And, and he, meanwhile, here's all these Christian kids with jelly beans and chocolate. And I was like, Fuck Living that. it up. Yeah. And they don't even have to Jews. go to, they don't even have to go to, most of them don't even go to church. You just get a basket of candy from your parents. What do I get? Crackers. Fucking crackers. Not even salted. Well, that's more than what I got because I we didn't even get Easter eggs. It was just not a thing in my house. But now You're I'm good. grateful for it. I'm grateful to have lived a life of zero religion. Well, it's I think pointless. that's good. Anyway, this week though, we will have some religion. We're going to celebrate Easter on Sick and Wrong the only way we know how with a particularly grisly story of Robert George Irwin, an American sculptor known as the Mad Sculptor, who violently murdered three people Easter weekend, 1937. In New York City. Good for him. Yeah. Before we get into all that, though, let's chat about the sick and wrong patron. So, people, if you're a fan of indie radio, if you like independent radio, radio that doesn't have advertising, doesn't have 10 minutes of advertising, then all we ask is you uh, give us a couple bucks on the Patreon to keep this show going. Because uh, I know we talked about it last week, but we're in talks with a network right now, and I'm trying to push against it. I don't want to put 10 minutes of ads in this show. We'll make a little money. But I just, I don't want to do it if I don't have to. I feel, I feel like it kind of conflicts with the whole free spirit of independent radio when you have advertising yeah. in a show. So yeah, I agree. we're asking you guys to help, you know, help avoid that. Help us uh, keep this show going. So for $5 a month, you know, that's not even just a donation. Five bucks a month, you can get, an ac- you get access to Sick and Wrong's uh, Patreon. You can, be, uh, you can get uh, um, access to our weekly second show. So if you donate five bucks a month to Patreon, you sign up today, we get an extra show that we do every week that I, th- I think is uh, quite, a bit, quite a bit entertaining. It's a bit more personal, a bit more freeform. I'm than, usually uh, drunk this. on it, so every week I'm, I always forget what we talk about because I'm usually smashed. Well, this week we're going <laughs> to chat about my smoothie accident at work. Oh, my God. Ew. Yeah. You and your smoothie. If anyone has never seen a picture of these smoothies, you can either message me and request a picture and I'll send you one. But I regularly put them up on the Discord whenever you throw one up. Well, it's a delicious grayish hue. I would say. I, I, oh, they, regardless, make, they make my stomach turn. How you keep them overnight as well is the worst part. Well, regardless, I uh, one of them exploded on my coworker's yellow chair, 
while she was giving a presentation over Zoom. So uh, we're going to talk about that on the second show, as well as uh, Ryan Keeley's cum face game. I think I sent you a picture of that. You did, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if she created the game or if she just, like, they sent it to her so she could advertise it on her social. But it's a game called Cum Face. It's a lot like Hungry Hippos, but with cum. Uh, we, we get into that on the second <laughs> show, and that's only five bucks a month. Five bucks a month, you can support free indie radio, indie podcasting, and your favorite podcasters on the Patreon. And also, if you uh, don't feel particularly inclined to sign up for... Uh, Patreon, you can still support the show because now we have uh, subscriptions on Apple Podcasts. We put our second show up on Apple Podcasts as well. So there's two different avenues on uh, supporting the show. And not to mention, once you sign up for Patreon, for five bucks a month, you get access to the second show. For a few dollars more, you get access to Sick and Wrong Overkill, uh, which is our bonus mini sode, as well as the Sick and Wrong Archives. First 10 years of Sick and Wrong on SoundCloud Playlist. So sign up today, patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Help keep this show going. Um, let me play this quick patron promo and then uh, let's chat about uh, celebrating Easter like the pagans with murder. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. You know, you could just go refill your soda. They don't even serve booze. Well, some of them serve booze if they're topless. But like uh, the ones yeah, that are fully yeah. nude, or they call it juice bars, like juice bars. A juice yeah. bar. That's what they call it. That's... Yeah. Oh, know a why. juice bar. Juice bar, not juice bar. You, I thought like you were for juice. Juice bar, like a spa. <laughs> better if it was a juice bar. Do you imagine a Jewish strip club? God, that would just be the most annoying <laughs> oh, can you place in the world. The noises from the Jewish club, just uh, all these old men going. Oh, Oi. Oi, she wants me to tip her more. <laughs> 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 be a lot of haggling over the price uh, there, man. Yeah, yes. it's like, how much do you want for this lap dance? What am I going to get for it? All right? <laughs> <laughs> for only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever... So I have a really wonderful blurb uh, to drag you all into the mad world of the mad sculptor, Robert George Irwin. And this comes from, it's a really good book by Harold Schechter with the ever so enticing title, The Maniac, The Model and The Murder That Shook the Nation. I love it how whenever there's like a high profile murder, everyone goes, this is the murder that... It's the trial of the century. It's the murderer that shook the nation every time. (laughs) Well, it was a big deal in the 1930s. Yeah, and I love all these vintage crime stories. I know lots of people don't, but I do. So the quote goes, Beekman Place was once one of the most exclusive addresses in Manhattan, and it had a curious way of making it into the tabloids in the 1930s. Skyscraper Slayer! Beauty slain in bathtub, read the headlines. I wish I could do a transatlantic drawl. Just imagine that I'd said that in a transatlantic drawl. On Easter Sunday in 1937, the discovery of a triple homicide at Beekman Place would rock the neighborhood yet again and enthrall a nation. The young man who had committed the murders would come to be known in the annals of American crime as the Mad Sculptor. So thanks for that blurb. Nice hat, Harry. So I used that book for a lot of research, but then I also used um, undisclosed files of the police cases from the archives of the NYPD from, ni- from 1831 to the present. 
which is written by Bernard J. Wallen, Philip Messing, and Robert Mladinch. I think I'm saying his name right. And that's like a huge coffee table book. Uh, well, I'm sure, you though, it. you know, thinking about these these tabloid sensationalist headlines, I mean, William Randolph Hearst must have had a field day with this one. I mean, think how many newspapers he sold with a headline like oh, Skyscraper Slayer Beauty Slaying in you Bathtub. You mean Hearst, the man who could have solved the Black Dahlia murder but didn't? Huh. Him? money, yeah. So Easter Sunday is a day of rejoicing for those who are inclined to believe in a sky god, but it would be the day that a beautiful, young, pulp model, her mother and roommate would all be discovered bloodied and battered. Veronica Gedeon was 21 years old and she was known to her friends as Ronnie. She made her living as a photographer's model and she graced the cover of many a detective pulp magazine, such as Inside Detective and Headquarters Detective. Back in the heyday, these magazines are huge. They're read by millions, kind of changed the world and especially America in a lot of senses. And some of these copies are now actually worth millions. And believe me, I troll eBay all the time looking for this type of stuff. She kind of has an Alicia Silverstone thing going on. Did you look at pictures of her? Yeah, I saw that. She does. I can see her looking kind of like Alicia Silverstone, but she also looks a bit like Reese Witherspoon, too. Yeah, she's like a kind of like butterfed but sexy 1930s blondie type. Blondie, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can find cheesecake photos of her online. Yeah, I mean, she's hot. I get it. I get why they would all want to draw her. And she would appear on such salacious titles like, uh, which would be kind of ironic later on, titles such as Party Girl, Pretty But Cheap, which is now my new tagline. I want a t-shirt that says Pretty But Cheap. Uh, salaciously, I am a white slave. On that one, she's obviously, you know, uh, like appearing tied up. But she would be photographed in flimsy dresses where the spaghetti strap of her dress is teasingly falling down her arm. And she would appear sometimes beaten, smothered, you know, all very sexy and innuendo -y. You know, I probably could uh, make a pretty but cheap shirt for the uh, Tee Public store. But a I am a white slave shirt would probably, <laughs> I'd probably be able to market that to the MAGA crowd. Why don't you do both? Yeah, maybe I will. Get Aussie to wear the I am a white sleeve t-shirt and see what happens. Ronnie did have a fiancé, but she was known to be as loose as her magazine covers. And the night before her untimely demise, she had been out getting sauced with another man. He's going to be questioned. He's going to be released without incident. Ronnie lived with her mother, Mary. Her parents had separated partly because her father, Joseph, he's a very stern Hungarian immigrant who disapproved of his daughter's stripping off with the photographer's lens. Cockbocker. So so to make ends meet, they had a boarder. Her mom actually ran this boarding house, and he's a deaf Englishman bartender. It's a comedy gold when you think about it. Well, I was about to say, he's got to be the worst bartender ever. That's like a Monty Python bartender. <laughs> how, how could you, like, I mean, it's hard enough screaming over the music to give him your order. This guy can't even hear it. I think we all know who the worst bartender ever was, and that's Slow-Mo. Okay. What, what was JoJo's name? Slow-Mar. Slow-Mar. JoJo's Slow-Mar was worse. Was a worse bartender than this deaf Englishman bartender. For people who don't get that reference, I think JoJo's talked about that on, uh, definitely on Second, second Show. Second Show, yeah. yeah it was but he was a bartender at this 
oh god, this horrible bougie bar in uh, North Beach, San Francisco's North Beach area. He hated he hated being a bartender. Anyway, in a Yelp review of his bartending <laughs> prowess, some guy was like, "I've named this bartender Slowmar. He's from a race of like very slow moving people." <laughs> I know that Jojo is listening to this right now and like the, the veins in his neck are bulging out. You're probably giving him PTSD. <laughs> Together, they all lived in a four-floor walk-up on East 50th Street in Manhattan. Mary was always good at providing for her family because during their really bleak times, she had actually opened and ran several speakeasies during Prohibition. Hmm. Ronnie's older sister, Ethel, had recently gotten married and she had moved to Astoria, but the family, including no-fun dad Joseph, they had all planned an Easter Sunday supper together. When Ethel, her husband, and Joseph arrived at the building, there was no answer when they were ringing the doorbell from downstairs. So they walked up, they knocked on the apartment door, but again, there was no answer. But the Pekingese that belonged to Ronnie and Mary named Tushi great reporting from the Brooklyn Daily Eagle here because we have not only a breed, but we have a name. And this is in the 1930s, so thank you. And was nonstop barking. Yes, isn't it? Is it, wait, Are is you... it Tushi, Tushi, or Tuchas? Tuchas. So it's T-O-U-C-H-I. So I think it's Tushi, Tuchi. Oh, well, my cat's yeah. Chi-Chi. Or Touchy. Touchy. We're going to call him Touchy. <laughs> The door was unlocked, so Joseph went straight inside. He found that there was food ready for their dinner on the table, but the apartment seemed empty. He thought maybe his ex-wife and daughter were sleeping, so he went into uh, Veronica's bedroom, and he was greeted with a grisly slice of nubile spring lamb, the kind that he hadn't been expecting. Veronica's naked. She's sprawled across her bed. The strangulation marks around her neck were bluer than the Atlantic Ocean under a moonless sky. In the next room, he found the deaf English lodger, now also dead. The pillow under his head was splattered with very sticky, congealed blood. It's kind of like cheating when you kill a deaf guy. It's not like they can hear you coming. Yeah. Yeah. You know. He ran downstairs to warn Ethel and his son-in-law. Both, they cried, you know, they're crying. As Joseph set off, he's going to find the police, and the police arrived within minutes to the crime scene. Different in uh, New York nowadays, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> They found Mary's corpse. She had been shoved under her bed. She had been strangled just like her daughter, but she was fully clothed and her underwear was missing. So this led the press to declare that the mad killer had killed all of them out of lust, that both women had been killed out of lust, but even elementary forensics at the time, this is going to prove otherwise. Well, why were they uh, unclothed, I guess? Yeah, why didn't they have underwear on? He definitely took that underwear off, but there was no diddling. Maybe he just like got scared in the pants. I think he's a little touchy, that guy. A little touchy. (laughs) Maybe the crime would have been shelled because after all, this is 1930s New York, and this is Ouija's town where death is knocking at your door and you're not waiting for an answer. The Great Depression had kicked America in the crotch when it was just getting going. Millions of Americans had lost their jobs, their houses, their savings. And when unemployment rates were at their peak, nearly one third of New York's population was out of work. And New York became the symbolic capital of the depression. It's the financial capital where it all started and the place where its effects were keenly felt. And weren't all the uh, stockbrokers committing suicide, like jumping off a of rooftops? Yeah, from Black Friday. Yeah. And speaking of Elizabeth Shaw, actually, so her father, 
who also went bust during the Great Depression, pretended to be dead uh, to escape his debts, but really he just fucked off to California and left his wife and five daughters. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of that went on. A beautiful model that posed for murder being found murdered made great headlines. She's primed with the big time in death. The public is thirsty for all the juicy details. The papers printed out the most salacious parts of her diary, including her dates with many well-to-do men and mysterious names such as simply Bobby or the letter B. I think uh, ethics and journalism were somewhat questionable at that time. Oh, they're still questionable today. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, there it's like, you know, you're looking to sell newspapers. So, you know, what was funny this. So I say this, these tidbits of diary entries. And when I was writing that, it had like a glass of wine. And I was like, so we say tidbits over here. But in America, you guys say tidbits. Tidbits. Yeah. You say tidbits. We say tidbits. It'd be like, oh, it's a tidbit of information. It's like you guys are scared of titties or something. We're not over here. We fucking more titties the better in Britain. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys have, like, like, doesn't the sun show, like, the sun girl of the week? Page three girl. Yeah, page three. Page and three. they show titties, right? Yeah, because uh, we're never not scared. Do that, you'd never do that in our puritanical society. Yeah, I love the fact it's like, nobody can be fucking naked, but I'll get you an AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> My impression of America. So these tidbits of diary entries, they colored the local residents' judgments against Ronnie. One was printed in ink as saying, the young model probably messed around with too many men. She should have been more particular about her boyfriends. Well, that's a bit judgmental. Yeah, it's victim blaming. Victim blaming. It's good and real for the dear dead Ronnie. But the twist in the hands of fate is that Ronnie was never the intended target at all. It was her recently married sister, Ethel, who had been the one doomed to die. Just two blocks away in a rented room, Robert Irwin was following along with the headlines like the rest of the city. Now, he's the son of an evangelical preacher, the Reverend Benjamin Hardwin Irwin, and whispers are that he was born in a tent in an old-fashioned camp meeting ground in Portland, on August the 5th, 1907. So that makes him a Leo for people who want to know. Facts are that he's the son of California. He's from the land of fruit and nuts, having been born in, um, I'm probably going to say this wrong, so you might have to say it. Ario Seco Park? That's pretty quick. Arroyo, Arroyo Seco. Ario Seco. Well, Arroyo, nice. but yeah, pretty close. Arroyo. <laughs> there we go. Robert George Irwin wasn't even his real name. He's named after his birthplace. He's named after his father's favorite theologian, uh, Francois Fenelon. So he started his life as Fenelon Ario Seco Irwin. I said Ario wrong again, but whatever. You get the gist. His father isn't just your local small town preacher. He's actually really famous across the nation. He's a well-known figure in the holiness movement, which was super popular in the 19th century. I mean, we definitely, we've covered that to death on the Kardashians episode. Basically, they're more hardcore Methodists. He had founded a racially integrated uh, denomination in 1898 in Anderson, South Carolina, where he would declare that everything from drinking Coca-Cola, wearing ties, jumping up and down on a Tuesday, all sinful. It sounds horrible. Yeah, he's a lot like John Lithgow in Footloose. Yes, you know? that's exactly who he is. Yeah, holiness churches had to have sucked. Like, if your parents were a member of a holiness church, I, I would have completely revolted. Like, there's no yeah. way I would have dealt with this. I mean, 
they they had a very careful lifestyle. Um, they prohibited smoking, drinking, dancing, listening to inappropriate music, wearing makeup or flashy clothes. They're basically Quakers. Yeah, they are. Like, I mean, this was 1898, so I'm trying to think of like what is inappropriate music because it's not even like rock and roll was here to stay. Like yet. ragtime? I don't even know. Yeah, what were they playing at that time that would, would be considered inappropriate? Jazz. Yeah, yeah, probably jazz, jazz, jazz I'm popular. sure. It's the music so, of Satan, that jazz. Well, people did actually think that, though. As an aside, his church does continue on to this day. It's now known as the International Pentecostal Holiness Church, and he had founded this church after he was embroiled in a sexual scandal in 1900, forcing him to go alone. So I scoured through loads of old newspaper articles to find out what type of sexual scandal it was. I don't think it was anything of a homosexual, like diddling the page boys. I do think it would have been like there was a young yeah, female no congregant. Yeah. Because yeah. I think if it had been homosexual, there was no way they would have let him. But regardless, it's still hypocritical, you know, to the austere, you know, fit message of faith that he's trying, he's delivering. Meanwhile, he's going and shagging, yeah. you know, the younger, the, the, younger. Yeah, these young girls in the background. Before Rob, Robert was even three years old, his sinful shagging father had buggered off to probably bugger some other people. And Roger, uh, Robert sorry, is going to grow up in extreme poverty. With zero income, a well-meaning judge at a family court stated that the younger Fenelon could go to a state reformatory to learn a trade. And he volunteered to go, and he spent 15 formative months there where he learned how to sculpt. Sculpting is going to be his thing, right? It's like when Jimi Hendrix first picked up a guitar, it just felt right. His hero is Lorado Taft, who wrote a book in 1903 called The History of American Sculpture, which for decades was actually considered like the standard industry reference of the craft and still like a really popular book to this day. Well, he definitely had a gift for sculpting. I mean, he's, he's, good. he's very skilled. Yeah. Fenelon, who we're just going to name Robert from now on so as not to cause confusion, even went to live with the Taft family. But this was actually really common for Lorado in a move that Andy Warhol would later steal. Taft was a big fan of hiring as many assistants as possible, even women, which wasn't socially acceptable uh, at the time because women weren't thought to be sculptors. For anyone that knows their art history, the all-female sculpting group called the White Rabbits, they all got their start from helping Taft finish his commissions for him. This had come from a sarky comment that architect Daniel Burnham had made to Taft when Taft had said to him that he might hire some female assistants to help him finish his projects on time. And Dan said, hire anyone, even White Rabbits, if they'll help you do the work. His fountains and sculptures still stand today, mainly in Chicago and Illinois. And uh, Robert might have helped erect uh, some of these when he lived and was mentored by Taft. Did you look at any pictures of his sculptures to see if you were Yeah, like, I did. Because there's uh, some he, in the cemetery. Yeah, he did. Teddy uh, Theodore Roosevelt is a famous one. Um, and yeah, there's I, a huge fountain, like a war memorial fountain. You've probably walked past it a million in Chicago? times. Yeah, yeah. Is it the one looking. that's at the beginning of Married with Children? Uh. I can't remember the start. There's only I've only ever seen like four episodes of Married with Children. But they didn't have that over there in the UK. We didn't have that, but like Al and Peg are both so hot. Like, why would anyone not want to like have sex with Al and Peg? <laughs> well, Al didn't want to bang Peg. I know I don't get that, but Al is really hot. Joke. My favorite episode is the uh, the shoe episode. 
out of the four I've seen. She when was, the there, the fatty comes into the shoe shop. There were several of those. That was another running gag. Oh, is there? Yeah. The fatties. How we hate your fatties. But yeah, what's her name? Because she's Leela in Futurama. Katie. Katie Seagull. Slipping. She's fucking hot, man. And she is hot. And Kelly Bundy was the hottest. Oh, God, I loved her when I was a kid. Oh, no, I'd rather have Peg by a country mile. I like her both. her hair and her outfits. I like both, but Kelly Bundy I was very attracted to. That's good to know. <laughs> you know uh, You know she has, like, Parkinson's, like, advanced Parkinson's now. No, I thought she had something else. I thought it was Parkinson's. She has some debilitating had... illness, which is tragic because yeah. she's so young. Yeah, but I thought she had the same thing that Selma Blair has, where she's it's, like, just completely eroding her. Yeah, because you don't see her in Christina Applegate. You don't see her in public as much. She Well, she recently got a star. Oh, okay, the, uh, my bad. Multiple sclerosis. She has MS. MS, yeah, yeah. And I think isn't that what Selma Blair has too? Which is, I mean, the fucking sucks. Yeah, I'm not Two sure. Two beautiful, talented ladies struck down in the prime. Robert's 19 by this point, and he's a crazy, talented sculptor, like we said. He had created busts of President Hoover, Attila the Hun, Napoleon, Benito Mussolini, and Edison. So this is his kind of cast of crazy idols. Uh, and Robert was indeed crazy. I love that these are like the people he wanted. This would be like, so if this was me and I was a sculptor, there'd be Ron Ashton, Niagara Detroit. Hitler. <laughs> Hitler <laughs> next. Ron Ashton would approve of Hitler, actually. Just putting that out there. I'm sure he would have. He had now changed his name to Robert Gordon in respect to the great agnostic and writer Robert Green Ingersoll and maybe his four years in the boys' reform had actually totally warped his mind. Although I have a feeling he's always been, he's always been crazy, but it stopped him from going insane. His mother was very upset about the name change, apparently. But uh, Robert G. Ingersoll was nicknamed the great agnostic and he was an American lawyer, writer, and orator during the uh, golden age of free uh, thought who campaign in defense of agnosticism so it's kind of like atheist light you know so yeah. it's, I, I kind of was impressed by that i was like oh that's kind of cool this dude was obviously you know grew up in a pentecostal household and turned his back on religion didn't go quite atheist but he went the agnostic route so good for it's him it's in the middle isn't it yeah it's kind of like atheist light i've always said um you know i was looking at him he kind of looks like hugo weaving so and that. a little bit Jude Law, but like, but really like a young Hugo Weaving who played Agent Smith in The Matrix. Yeah, I see that. I, I I see Jude Law a bit more, especially Jude Law in the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, you can. I think Jude Law was probably more is more attractive than he. More than beautiful. He was, yeah. yeah, Jude Law's like got more feminine features. Mind you, Hugo Weaving looks great in a dress. Like really I applaud does. Hugo Weaving. Is the Hugo dress. Weaving Aussie or is he British? He is Aussie, yeah. He's Aussie, okay. Yeah. Shout out to all the Aussies. You know we love you. Although he's brilliant, this came at a cost, uh, a cost, a very crazy cost. He would be erratic to the point of violence, once taking a razor to his cock and balls Oof. in an effort to emasculate himself. Despite his very promising art career, he volunteered himself up to the state mental hospital for one whole year. So to me, that means he's not entirely that crazy at this point. Well, he did try to chop his dick off. But I think he realized that he'd maybe gone too far and he needed help. So to me, that's not totally Yeah, but how crazy. much did he cut off before he realized that? I don't think he cut any. I think he, like, scarred himself. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe his balls, like, started leaking blood everywhere. And he was Ugh. like, fuck this. 
sorry to all the men listening who are thinking about their balls leaking blood. From his release in Illinois in 1933, he moved to New York and into the boarding house run by the very good Mary. Uh, it was here that his love for Ethel began. And although she's really initially flattered, she soon saw all the red crazy flags, or maybe she saw the scars on his dick and was no longer interested. His love being once again unrequited. We've all had an unrequited love. We know it sucks. He once again tried to slice off his junk in an effort to not think about love, but to only focus on his art. All right, that's how you know he's crazy. When you, you know, when uh, yeah. you have a, like a situation where a girl is just not interested in you, you move on to the next one. You don't cut your dick off. Right. For a second time. <laughs> he's sent to the very notorious Bellevue Nuthouse and then for two long years at Rockland State Hospital, which at the time was one of the largest sized facilities in the United States. He was released back in the summer of 36, wars on the horizon, his lost love Ethel had married, and when he found out this, this horrible solemn news, he carved out his feelings, but not on his dick, in sculpture. <laughs> you know, Bellevue is a very famous hospital. It's notorious. Yeah. Um, they treated author Norman Mailer who was taken there after he stabbed his wife, Mark his David wife Chapman. <laughs> Mark David Chapman uh, was, at, was at Bellevue. Well, he was in Bellevue and Rikers, and Rikers. after he shot and killed yeah. uh, John Lennon. And even Alan Ginsberg had a, a, a slight tenure over at, uh, at Bellevue and mentioned the hospital by name in the famous poem, uh, Howl. However, yes. I think the, the biggest claim to fame for Bellevue was, uh, if you remember the music video, Hot for Teacher, the Van Halen song. Did do you remember yeah, this? Video? I know the song, but I I'm not a hundred years old, so I don't remember the music video. I'm sorry. Oh, God, I'm under I loved, forty. I love the video. It was. Is great. it hot? Oh yeah, really hot. You got a super sexy teacher, but they did it kind of like an '80s movie where it's like you know they're okay. all students and they're obsessed with this teacher and the, the songs playing. They're like you know disrupting the class, but at the end they did this like you know how they did in the '80s movies like what happened to the characters. And so, yeah, they show like David Lee Roth became like a game show host. And I think Alex Van Halen became a famous chef. And then Eddie Van Halen, the lead guitarist, became a psychiatric hospital patient after he graduated from school. And it was Bellevue. And the hospital was featured in the end of that, uh, that video. Oh. So, yeah, he was sitting in like a, in front of a TV in a straitjacket. And, uh, and the camera focuses in on him, and you can read, Edward Van Halen is temporarily relaxing in Bellevue Mental Ward and making progress. Well, speaking of dying too young, there you go, Eddie. Let's howl for Eddie Van Halen while we're here. Proving we're going to talk about the sculpture uh, that he carved, proving that all women are just snakes with tits. He carved a woman's head and breasts on the curving body of a venomous cobra. The context is glaringly obvious here, Rob. Uh, it's a really good sculpture, though, and I'd be happy to own that in my house. Oh, I'd love that. I was looking for a picture of it. I couldn't find it. I wonder who has that. Oh, I have a picture of it. It's oh, in uh, this book. Yeah, it's in the undisclosed files of the police book. I'll show you it. But take a screenshot. We'll put it on the site. I will. He struggled through school because he enrolled at the Theological School of St. Lawrence University in New York. It was during his brief time here that he actually made friends with the soon-to-be actor Kirk Douglas. Kirk mm. Douglas himself would be embroiled in a murder later on. And later, Kirk would use Robert as a baseline for his performance of Vincent van Gogh in the film Lust for Life. Full circle for Kirk. 
Robert isn't able to control the crazy and he was expelled on grounds of instability on March the 18th, 1937, just 10 days before Easter. The next day, he rented a $2.50 room a week on 52nd Street. Imagine if it, that's what it costs now. Like, how much do you think that costs now? Oh, God. I don't know. Thousands. Thousands. Here, he's formulating. He's thinking about doing two things. He's either going to throw himself into the East River or he's going to go to the boarding house. He's going to reclaim Ethel. He's going to kill her. And he's going to make a death mask of her that he could keep for all time. Do you think he was planning to make a vintage fleshlight with her face? Really? Yeah, like that dude who, remember the one that he married that girl that didn't like him very much? And when she died, he just kept like adding to her corpse and trying to make her look like the young virginal bride. He's like oh, he a just... Colombian guy. Yeah, and didn't he preserve her corpse for like That's decades. what I'm talking about. And yeah. she was full of spunk. When they found her corpse, they were like, she was rotting and just like falling apart, but yet she was full of spunk. Well, I think he, what he's doing, though, is just making a death mask of her face. That's all he wanted. It's like face off. All he wants is her face. Yeah, what do you think he's, like he's, he's going to do to that face, though? Oh, he's just going to love it, of course. <laughs> if he had junk by the end of this, sounds like he just wanted, he wants to chop his dick off at any moment he can get. So we obviously know he made his choice, and that night he went to the uh, Gideons. This is in his statement, as printed uh, later in the press. I drew Mary's picture to kill as much time as possible. In comes this little Englishman. She introduced me to him. He went to his room. I said, I'm going to stay here until I see Ethel. She yelled, get out of here. I hit her. I choked her. At all this time, this damned Englishman was in the next room just 10 feet away. She put up a hell of a fight. My hands were full of blood. I smeared it on her, on her face and on her breast. I threw her in the bedroom under the bed. Finally, Ronnie came in. She went into the bathroom. I thought she was never coming out. I made a sort of blackjack out of a piece of soap and a cloth. I hit her, but the soap just splattered. I grabbed her from, be from behind. I can very well believe that she was drunk because she didn't put up any fight at all. I took her in the room, held her just tight enough so that she could breathe. I mean, he must she have been kind of surprised that the Englishman wasn't doing anything. Wouldn't you be like, why doesn't he care? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what, the guy doesn't hear all this knocking about and the yelling and the screaming? This, uh, yeah, he's kind of like the comedy element to this. Like, if this was like a Sherlock Holmes detective mystery, you'd be, you, or it was like the movie Saw, you'd be like, the Englishman's in on it. Yeah, or like, I mean, definitely comic relief. Ronnie asked me not to attack her. Please don't. I've had an operation. I strangled her. When Ronnie was dead, I looked at her with a sick feeling all through me. Her beauty was gone. Blue death seemed to issue from her like a sort of spiritual emanation. My brain was working so fast I could almost hear it. The Englishman. I must kill him too. I stood for a moment over his bed, asleep, but how could I be sure? I lifted the ice pick, point down, and struck. I must say that an ice pick is a great murder weapon, and it's not used enough. It's, there's something very vicious about an ice pick, isn't there? It seems like a vintage-style murder weapon, though. Yeah. Like you hear about, you know, back in the day. I think it's because we don't really have ice picks as much. These days. I love the really old, um, the vintage ice cube trays where it's just like the big metal containers and you kind of stab it down with the thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. We should get one of them. Out, they make yeah. 
They make the best eyes. Also, this is totally like a clue. Killing the deaf Englishman in the bedroom of an ice pick. While he's sleeping, though. What a coward. You would die instantly. Because you wouldn't even... An ice pick is so, like... You do it through the ear. I say it like I know what I'm doing. Just stabbing through the fucking ear, mate. Afterwards in the newspapers, I read that he'd been stabbed 15 times. I don't know. In the morning when I stepped out and I closed the door, there was an overwhelming weariness all through me. I was so sleepy, I could hardly walk the short distance around the corner to my room. I went in and I dropped on my bed. It was not until evening that I was awakened by the cries of newsboys below my window. They were yelling about a triple murder. It did not frighten me. I was as calm as I had ever been. I was sure that I would not be suspected. I was so sure that I did not even take the trouble to move from the neighborhood. Not for a week. You know, I like how he doesn't mention, well, I stripped them naked. Yeah, doesn't I mention about anything that about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not a pervert or anything. Gents just murdered them. He had strangled Mary for over 20 minutes before she died. She had clawed at his face and he had tried to make her touchy the dog piss on his mistress corpse. So he forgot about that as well. Wait, wait I, I love that touch. He's like adding, yeah. you know, uh, no pun intended, but it's like, what, insult to injury? Gonna have the yeah. dog piss on his mother's corpse? Can you imagine that poor little, I love Pekingese, I think they're super cute, and can you imagine that poor little tiny little Pekingese dog who, like, loves his mum, and now he's like, come and piss on her. Like, oh. Well, that how do you make I a hope, dog piss? I don't know, but I hope little uh, Tucci, Tushi, Tushi, Chichi, I hope he had a lovely life after this. And was was filled with nothing but like buttercup and daisies and treats whenever he wanted. Because that's sadder. Whenever a dog dies in a story, you're, I'm always like, why would you do that? But like these deaths of these three people, I'm like, oh, let's make some jokes about it. Well, he was like, you know, I wonder if he just left the dog there or what? Yeah, the dog was fine. Yeah. Um Surprised that the sound hadn't roused the Englishman, he didn't know that he was deaf, obviously. He had sat quietly in the bathroom, whittling a sculpture into a bar of soap. Ronnie suffered longer than her mother. He would choke her to the point of unconsciousness, and then he would lessen her grip around her neck. Ronnie's last words were, I know that it's you, Robert. And with this, he dealt her death blow and he crushed her windpipe. Well, he wasn't wearing a mask. No, but I think uh, he, she was like probably surprised anyways. And then when adrenaline's going through you, he probably tried to choke her from behind a lot, I would imagine. And then maybe she caught glimpses of him. But she does also talk in her diary about how he would lose his rag and lose his cool a lot. Definitely has some anger management issues, that Robert. He does. So he's got no beef. He's got no quarrel with the Englishman. Uh, I also tried so hard to find the Englishman's name, but he's just been forgotten through time. So here's, uh, you know, I'm raising my glass of wine to a dead Englishman. But he couldn't leave a witness alive. He crept into his bedroom and he jabbed an ice pick into his skull as the man slept. Due to the mention of a mysterious Bobby, the sculpture found in the bathroom, NYPD, they zoned in on Robert. The Eagle reported on April the 6th, the city's entire detective force, 150 cannoli-eating strong, armed with photographs and thumbnail descriptions of the vanished sculpture, probed through cheap Bowery lodging houses and saloons, through hospital wards and missions for the down-and-outers. 
The publishers of Inside Detective, a magazine that regularly featured the slain Ronnie, they wrote a story all about her murder. They featured her on the cover for old time's sakes, and they offered a reward for anyone who had information about her murder. This is really expensive to buy, by the way. I found it on eBay. It was like 700 quid. They couldn't find him in New York because Robert had gone by train to Philadelphia and then by bus to Washington, D.C. And then he'd gone on to Cleveland, where he spent three months working in a hotel under the name of Robert Murray. The manhunt that would follow him covered eight states, and this was the largest since the Lindenberg kidnapping of 1932. Oh, do you want to know my favorite Lindenberg fact? He was a eugenicist. Oh, Lindbergh? Yeah, Charles Lindbergh was. I've read that. Yeah, but he did go to concentration camps when he was older and then like kind of renounced his past. But he so, was you... but he supported the Nazi movement. Yeah, up until afterwards. Yeah. But do you just think that was him trying to save face? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> On Wednesday, June the 23rd, his co-worker Henrietta Koshensky was reading her favorite detective magazine before she went to bed. It was the Veronica um Gedeon murder issue. She noticed how much the picture of the suspect looked like her co-worker. So she's going to think about it for a few days, you know, she's gonna, it's going to keep coming back up in her head. And then when she's at work, she brought it up in conversation with him. The so-called Robert Murray started sweating and he's, you know, he's pulling at his neck and going, <laughs> and then he's like skipping out of work, saying, no, I have a headache. I'm surprised he didn't choke her out. Like why would I mean, she that... go to the why would she go to the popo? Instead, she's like taking matters into her own hands and 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 bringing it up with him, the suspected maybe, murderer. And he just maybe... he just like you know pulled out his neckband and then skipped down, like the older cartoons. Yeah. Maybe they were work buds, and she had such a good time. And she was like, I can't imagine you choking someone. Isn't this funny though that this guy looks exactly like you? And then when he starts profusely sweating, she's like, Oh, oh shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The police are now hot on his heels. They rushed to the bus station to catch him, but he had already boarded and bound a bus for Chicago town. Wanting things on his own terms and realizing that the gist was completely up, he got off the bus before his final destination. He found a payphone and he rang Hearst's Chicago Herald and Examiner, and he offered to surrender for a price. Hearst jumped and he said, how high? From late Saturday until Sunday afternoon, Hearst writers and cameramen had their prize to themselves. Other papers withering as Hearst extra after extra hit the stands. They howled to the Chicago's police. Well, I read that he first called the Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, and they and offered yeah. to surrender for a price. But they they thought it was a prank. They thought he was you know some jokester was calling them. So they just kind of were like, yeah, fuck off. And then he called Hearst, and Hearst is like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do it big. Yeah, Chicago Tribune, there's only one noise that you can do for that. It's wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it says it does seem unbelievable that some dude would just call you and be like, hey, I'm going to surrender to you guys. You want to do a big story? I would still look into it, but it does seem dubious. Yeah, I would totally look into it, but they were just like, nah, it's all right. Call Hearst. He's really good at like... Uh, covering up murders well, i think they were just it. like we call bullshit on this and so he's like all right fuck <laughs> you i'm calling hearst 
The police uh, cruised and crushed the officers, but they couldn't find Robert. That's because he's in a really cushy hotel room with staff writers and photographers. He's playing cards. He's resting up. He's eating like Chicago pizza pie. By the time he's turned over to Cook County Sheriff in his very crisp white linen suit, this is when he has the look of Jude Law about him. He's looking really rested and like refreshed. His famed and acclaimed lawyer, Samuel Leibowitz, who had never lost a client to the death penalty, waited for him in Manhattan as he boarded his first and his last flight to the scene of his crime. Together, they went for a crime of passion defense. Robert said that the three murders were not intended. He had only wanted to murder Ethel for her death mask. He said that I thought after killing Ethel that they would kill me in the chair, but I didn't care. Then I said to myself... After, that after being in the nut house for all your all of your life, you can't go to the chair. They'll put me in the nut house again, and then I'll be there the rest of my life, and I'll catch up with myself in a spiritual way. Yeah, he did say that he intended to kill Ethel because she was the dearest object in the world to him. But he accidentally killed the others instead. <laughs> accidentally, <'cause laughs> it was how an accident, you know, <laughs> by accident. A little slip up here. Their ploy did work, though, and he escaped the electric chair for a life sentence. He was initially sentenced to 139 years in Sing Sing prison, but the state argued about what a Fruit Loop he was, and he arrived at Dannemora State Hospital on December the 10th, 1938. He would remain in the nut house until he died of cancer in 1975 at the age of 68 in the Matawan State Hospital for the criminally insane in Fishkill, New York. Fishkill. There's a place called Fishkill in America. This is why America's great. There's no place called Fishkill over here. Fishkill. Rob- sounds like a Native American name. It just sounds like a horrible place to live. Yeah. Where do you live? Fishkill. Robert was a stone cold on the inside as the sculptures that he created. When asked about how he felt over the crimes, he compared himself to a broken transistor radio saying, Bob Irwin is nothing. I am only a receiving set. An extremely imperfect one, which can indistinctly tune to the divine mind. You have heard a radio that isn't working well. You turn the dials and you get a squawking. Only once in a while can you get the pure, clear music. My whole idea in life was to perfect myself, so the receiving set could always get the divine music at its best. You know, I think his lawyer summed (laughs) it up perfectly. He said, Irwin was, is, and will be hopelessly insane, He's crazy as a bed bug. <laughs> such a 1930s phrase. He's crazy as a bed bug. I tell you what, he's crazy as a bed bug, that guy. Harrison would have been great at this episode. Just oh, yeah, he could, do, he could do a really good transatlantic uh, accent. But I think that's co- part, of the, part of the reason he grew up on the East Coast. You know, transatlantic accent actually isn't real. Yeah, and that wasn't just something that was done in like, film noir. Yeah, they invented like it for the talkies, basically, yeah. so that everyone could understand them all. But it's not a real... I The best transatlantic accent is uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in... What's the uh, the Bruce Campbell? Not Barton Fink. You know, the other one. The other Coen Brothers movie. That Bruce Campbell's Jen- in? Yeah, with Bruce Campbell and Jennifer Jason Lee. And she's coming in like a fucking tiger. She's hot, see? She's great, and she talks really fast. Oh, Ooh, I don't know. After not we Barton come back Fink. from the break, I'll announce the name of that film. <laughs> Oh, let's we'll take a look at that one. Anyway, um, that's that's the Sick and Wrong Easter show for you. <laughs> People, this is episode 889 here of Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next. Uh, 323-522-4032 is the number of the hotline. Uh, but first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. 
It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad. Let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE D-I-D-D-L-E I am now a new man. Thanks. Okay, Rambo, we got a couple uh, phone calls here. 323-522-4032 is the Sick and Wrong hotline number. Or you can email us an MP3, sickandwrongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, this first call is from a, a fan who loves this show. He's a longtime listener. It's called Many Times. It's been a while since we've heard from him, but he really is like the, uh, the glue that holds this show together. Wait, before you begin, I've got to say the film was The Hoodsucker Proxy, by the way. Oh, the one that you're, the Coen Brothers film. The Coen Brothers film, yeah, really good. Bruce Campbell and Jennifer Jason Leigh. And things Tim Robbins played the main character, the guy who yeah. invented the hula hoop. It's a good, it's a good movie. I really like that film, uh, Bull Durham. Is that from Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins, and she has to shag them all so that her team will have a good season. I really like that film. It's one of my favorite baseball movies. Remember there was a spate of baseball movies yeah, no. in like the nineties. Unfortunately, I hate baseball movies. I remember being rather bored by that. Almost as bored by that movie as I am by the actual sport. I'm gonna go to a baseball I guess I'll go to a baseball game with like Jeff. Jeff's really into um baseball. The I just think it's a good excuse to get drunk outside for like three hours while everyone's singing songs. Kind of yeah, like that. Wait till you experience down. it. You sit down on a tiny chair. It's hot as fuck. So your whole face and neck are just sunburned. And then you you can pay like, I don't know, $22 for a beer. I do like day drinking though. Don't you just love day drinking? Yeah, but I go day drinking at an actual cool bar rather than having to sit and watch dumbasses in uniforms stand on base forever. Like I heard actually this year is the first year they're cutting – as much time as possible because people are so bored of the games that they're trying to cut the time down. Are baseball players still today as sexy as they were in the 70s? Because baseball players in the 70s, I have some baseball cards and like they're hot and they're just like mammoths of men. They're like six foot nine with mustaches. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. They're, maybe they're just as sexy. I couldn't give a shit. I hate that sport. In fact, I hate most sports. But baseball is mind-numbingly boring. I've, I've seen my fair share of games. And yeah, you can feel yourself age as you sit there just roasting in the sun. It's awful. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll come back from it feeling the same way. The only sport oh that God. is real and the best is obviously wrestling. Wrestling in the 90s. Yeah. A bunch of uh, actors. Stop that. A bunch of actors performing on stage. Yeah, that's great. All right, you lift a 250-pound man up, spin him around, and do loads of intricate work with him, and then, yeah, that's acting, is it? That's acting. Yeah, you're acting as the the foil, and you're acting as the victor. It's all scripted. 
Do you think you could pick up a 250 pound no, man I, I girl for at least 20 minutes? If I was like six foot eight yeah, and so it's the not size acting, of them, I could. It? No, I mean, they're huge. They're, they take steroids and they're huge, but they're acting out scripts. It's not like they know who's going scripts. to emerge victorious before the match even happens. Oh, yeah, but you've got to make it look, look, you just don't get it. Me and Steel get it. You just don't get it. Regardless, it's it's a scripted show, so you might as well just go see a, a performance. Like that's yeah, what I'd rather well go see. see that's what I don't it is. know. Ma- might as well go see Macbeth, which is also scripted. Doesn't yeah, mean I mean that they're thing. actors and they're very talented at what they do. I mean, especially Good. with gymnastics and what they do. But it's like you're watching acting. You're not really watching a sport. You remember when Louis Farouk got uh, slapped and punched so hard that he vomited when he said that wrestling was fake? Do you remember that episode? <laughs> no, but it, that is kind of funny. That's you. Did he press the assault charges? Here. No, he he brought it upon himself. And plus, Luffy is a stand-up guy. He knows he brought it upon himself. If I got smacked by the Rock for saying wrestling was fake, I would be a very wealthy man. <laughs> I would be a very wealthy man, or Jim McMahon, or any of those people. Um, Jim McMahon. Anyway, here's a call from a longtime fan and ardent supporter of the show. Still better than you are. Your cat still is a fucking ball sack. Wackerly left because you're a hateful bitch who peed in his PlayStation. I like who this pregnant that? pause. You, can, can you tell by the voice who this is? Oh, is this, uh, is it Buffalo Bill? Boner villain. Oh my God, it's Boner villain, is it? I've never really heard him say anything other than, I make more money than you. Oh, that's coming up, but he, uh, you know, it's been a while since since uh, he's called the show. You know what? I, I for some reason I thought for sure he had finally transitioned into a woman, and he was living <laughs> a new life as a woman, and he wasn't as hateful anymore. He stopped listening to the podcast. I guess I'm wrong. He's still a bitch, but he's not a you know physically a woman yet. I do want to apologize to Buffalo Bill for confusing the two of you. But didn't I recently say that I really wanted like um. I really miss Marshall Allen Tony and I really miss uh, Bonavillain. And Bonavillain, he did my call. Yeah, you're probably the only person Bonavillain who misses Bonavillain. He's a simp for women. Totally he, a simp. I think he's a simp for me. For you, for you more than me. But oh my yeah. God, I can't believe he pandered to me. That's like, that's not sexy, but it's also sexy. I find it really funny that he's referring to an episode of Sick and Wrong that happened, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. That's probably the, he's probably, because he won't like listen to a woman because he can only listen to his mother. So he can only, he only now has the Wackily and Harrison years. That's all he's got. You took that away from him, Dee. So he, he hates you to, even more. He used to call in during the Harrison years, but the, what he's referring to here is, uh, is um, the, 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 the time when I almost pissed on Wackerly's Xbox, which I did not do. This is a classic episode, and yeah, I'm did not bringing do. it up in front of Wackerly, and he still gets upset. Yeah, and it, it did not happen. It was near the Xbox. It wasn't on the Xbox. Uh, but it is, you know, I, I do find that uh, somewhat heartwarming, that, that Boner villain still going back to listen to those old episodes, and still, after so many years, maintains this, you know, podcast relationship with us and with me, it's it's very heartwarming. Thank you, there, Bonafilling, and the it fact is. that he's asking about the welfare of my cat. Yes, Caliban is still doing well, and uh, sadly, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm sure um, 
I'm sure it's good. You know, I, I'm sure he wants a hairless cat himself. He, he probably wants. I wonder if Boner villain shaves his nuts. Do you think so? Maybe he looks at his mom's ball pussy, right? Yeah, but I think he prefers a finely shorn scrotum on a man or a boy. A young boy. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> anyway. Oh. And to everybody else, I made 19% over inflation last year. Fuck you. Get a bigger house, you fucking bitches. So I think that goes to everybody there. What does that mean? 19% over inflation. Inflation. I I don't know. What's what's inflation? Like, you can inflate my dick. My dick's already big. So did you make, like, as big as my dick is? Like, what's going on here? I didn't know you had a dick, Kate Rambo. Um, I've been hiding it from you. Sorry. Talking. So... I think inflation, there's a rate of inflation. So you made 19% over that rate of inflation. Uh, you know what yeah, I think this like means? I think his mom raised his allowance. Good for you. <gasps> it's about time. He needs yeah. some money. Good for you, boner villain. Um, I'm sure you're still living at home with fantasies of owning your own homes and uh, you know driving around in your Escalade or whatever car that you might have or think you might have. Um, this is who Bonavillain is to me. So, you know, you see the pictures of the Republican families and they all are like holding their guns in front of the Christmas tree, holding their rifles or whatever. Oh, like we, Everyone else. Yeah. And it's all fucking weird. Not just them. They all do it. But he's one of the kids in the back who's smiling. But inside his heart is breaking. This is Bonavillain. I think Bonavillain is uh, Elliot Rogers. You know that kid, the incel that oh, would of course shot I all know those Elliot girls. Rogers. Yeah, that, oh, that's that's who Boner villain reminds me of. He reminds me of like you know a typical incel type. But I just do love the fact that after all this time, it's been a while since he's called in the show. He still has the same routine. He's still bringing up the same things. It's comforting. It's like nostalgic for me. So thank you, Boner villain, for that same. trip down memory lane. I do like that. We've missed um, you, Bona Villain. Please ring in with an update. I want to know how many more new guns you have. And like, wh- your mum must have, like, have 10 air fryers by now. So we've got to I hear about know, your mother's air fryer. I want to know how many chocolate bunnies your mother gave you for Easter. Ooh. Do you think he found the golden egg? I think, it, I think he laid the golden egg inside of his mother. That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, Boner Villain. Always nice to hear from you. Uh, second call we got here is from uh, Texican Kush. Gives us a ring. Cool. What's up, guys? It's um, Texican Kush here again. And uh, okay, I'm gonna try to keep this quick. I'm going down listening to podcasts, like I said I was when I first like called in. But I'm like, like I said, I'm going back in time, just listening to everything. And right now, I just finished listening to the Homo Hop and the Gay Agenda. Oh, I forgot about and that episode. That was a great episode. Because That's I had a call that was similar. I don't know. Not similar. I mean, yeah, we're talking about Airbnbs and how they're fucking weird and all that kind of shit. And I and also I am going to subscribe to the Patreon. I already I knew this by the I knew this from the fucking get go. But I'm just a lazy fuck. And I got like probably one, two, three. I got like probably six or seven episodes left of, until I can't watch anything else until y'all drop any new shit. So I am going to buy it once I'm out. So wait, I'm curious. Are you listening? For, did you listen to the entire backlog, like yeah, he, all the archives, or is he just he, listening from when you started? 
No, I think he's he's either on a Apple or an Android, and that only lets you have like what is it, a hundred episodes? Oh yeah, we cut it off at a hundred episodes. Yeah, so he's probably he's. I can't remember if he said he did what I do, which is you just pick a random episode and then you listen through it. I know that drives people wild. Or he's listened to one the first episode and then he's just like binged it all the way down. Was yeah, it sounds like so he's might got, you find work from you, Tex kind of. It sounds like he's like, gone gone through almost like ninety four episodes. It's impressive. Like when you think about how many hours that is, that must be over like you know when people give you their Spotify wrapped and it's like I listened to 500 hours of Sick and Wrong. I'm, I'm always like, yeah, I probably listened to 500 hours of the same Eddie and the Hot Rod song. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's true. But anyways, okay, so I call. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 21, and it was funny because you got mentioned the South Padre, and I'm from Texas, so I went to uh, – I went to like an hour away from South Padre because there's too many checkpoints and I had a lot of good stuff. You ever heard of South Padre Island? No, I've never been to Texas. It is high up on my list though. Well, there's certain like spring break destinations for college students. So there's like Daytona Beach, South Padre Island. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is one in South Carolina, Daytona Beach in Florida. And I think South Padre is another really big one. And that's kind of like South Texas. So it's like all the way down by like Galveston. I've never actually been there, but I have heard it's a probably a place I would avoid. Um, like a, like a, yeah, bad case of herpes. We're too old for it now. Yeah, I would have. I never would have even gone back in the day. It's terrible. Oh seriously? Yeah. Oh God, I hated. I I avoided all that type of stuff, like the MTV Spring Break type thing. Yeah, you were the generation. So I was trying to not like see any cops, but um. So we did an Airbnb uh was it Port Rand. And and long story short, I'm there we're there for like a week and I'm gonna keep this quick. So let's say okay it's, it's like the American in betweeners. A week is a long fucking time in an Airbnb of your mates. Doing I would never jello do... shots, yeah. Imagine like drinking a lot of beer, doing jello shots and smoking a lot of weed. And probably other mm-hmm. things too. Even when you do, like, your lads or your, like, girls' holidays, you never go for, like, longer than a week. A week is too long. Five days, four days. Cause Five like, days is arguments, pushing it. Arguments are going to erupt. You especially, keep it, like, especially when you're in this type of situation. I don't think I've ever been in, like, three days max. Friday, yeah. we're trying to leave. we got to leave Sunday. So we're like, all right, let's just get fucking shit-faced all day today and wake up tomorrow on a Saturday and just chill, you know, and then we and we can leave early that that following Sunday. And so we're like getting shit faced. It's like we wake up and we're already taking shots, and it's just it's just time to get fucked up. So we're getting fucked up. We go to the beach. We do our thing. Is, is he like early twenties? How old is he? Well, yeah, he said he was like. T- uh, was this before he was twenty one? Twenty one. Okay, but is he, did he say this happened when he was twenty one, or is he twenty one now? This must have happened when he was training one. But I still think he's a young guy. He's a young man. Young I think he's like in his early 20s. Yeah, I think he's a young guy. I don't think, I think he's, I think this happened a few, like a couple years ago. I don't know. The day's, the day's almost done. It's keeping, trying to keep it quick. And let's say we go, we go to the pool because the Airbnb we rented was like, it was like a community, community like neighborhood kind of thing. And they had like a badass pool. 
and we were like literally right by the fucking pool. So we take our big ass speaker and, and our pool and, and our liquor and all that stuff, and we're just like, let's get lit here now. And this is- I'm sure the other residents of that uh, apartment complex must have loved that. It's like here's some twenty year olds with the big boom box playing trap music, getting lit. <laughs> it's like great. I think, they, I think they're just one of many. Kind of the last shit I remember. Like I were, I'm taking shots and it's going down like water. I'm still swimming, and then it has to have been like seven or eight p.m. and no, maybe six. And it's time to like, and they close at ten. And the last thing I remember is my homie saying, "It's time to uh, go." And so I remember that's the last thing I remember is kind of just putting shit up. And then he tells me, and this is it. Like, I don't remember nothing no more. This is, this is him telling me now. He says that we, we, uh, we're going inside. He goes he inside and passes out. out. And then after he passes out, uh, I'm, I guess I got left out there. And, 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 and I remember Kate saying like, oh, you're not supposed to, you know, like leave, a, leave someone behind. That's kind of why it kind of made me thinking. But we we're so fucked up. So he, he passes out. Oh, it's fine. Right. I just want to clarify here. It's fine to leave a soldier behind when you know the soldier is safe at your destination. He's in his bed in like your hotel room. That's totally fine to leave a soldier there. But what I mean is you would never leave a soldier in a pub. If they're like completely wrecked, you would never say, well, we're going to the next pub and we're going to leave you here. You would never do that on a lad's holiday or a girl's holiday. You take your soldier back to where you know they're safe and then you just go back out again. I wouldn't do that unless they're being violent because sometimes they can be like, fuck you. And, uh, and then you kind of get into a fight that be yeah. like, all right, I'm going. But this situation, it sounds like his buddy was like, I'm passing out and just left him at the pool. His drunk friend. Yeah, but at least his buddy is like, I can't go on anymore. I'm going to be here. You know, he's safe there. He's at the Airbnb. He's at the hotel. He's not going to get up to mischief. If well, he does, he's just going to go to bed. Well, his buddy is in bed, but his friend, he just left at the public pool. So he left uh, Texican, Texican Kush at the public pool. So that's why. So I'm thinking his friend who left and passed out probably thought he was with him and passed out. But he oh, just maybe, left but you're them. still in. You're still in the complex of being near each other. What I mean is you should never like go out into the strange land outside and just leave them at and a bar be like on something. the strip. Yeah, and leave each other. But they're still in the vicinity of each other, at least. It's like it would be like me going, Hey, I'm just gonna go upstairs and lie down. It's the same but thing. That's fine to do. That being said, he's in a strange environment. They've only been at this Airbnb. All the apartments look the same. So this does have a recipe for disaster. It does, but it but it's not the most dangerous place that he could have left him. And yeah, it's not could have like been worse if they're at like a bars. club or something, and he's that drunk. Yeah, I've never that's done, totally. I've never worse. done that before. All right, guys, I'm sorry. I went a little over. I'm trying to go quick though. This is it's gonna be real quick now. I'm almost done. So, uh, last thing I remember is we're going back inside. Oh, he's going back inside. Remember, I said I don't remember shit no more. And then, so I guess he goes inside and passes out because we're both equally shit faced. And I guess right. I went to the restroom, the restroom in the pool, though, like the public restroom there. And I guess I passed the fuck out inside that restroom. Wow. Because, okay, this, this is where it gets funny. Like, I literally don't remember going in there. But when I woke up, I was in a fucking sober jail cell. 
I was in a sober tank, surrounded nothing by fucking. Just, I was surrounded just by fucking cold ass metal. It was so. And he woke up in a drunk tank. That's gotta be the worst. <laughs> right. Immediately, my mind went to like he woke up and his dick was in someone's mouth. That's immediately where I went. Wait, why would head. you think that? I just think like a public pool is the perfect place for like a gay a gay nonce to hang out, isn't it? And wait for this type of stuff. I, like being in, in a being in a drunk tank is probably better than that. In your I'm twisted sorry. mind, maybe I don't know. It's just like a community pool. I don't think there's like gay sexual predators just hiding in bushes waiting for like a young guy to pass out d i'm from the country that invented cruising and cottaging what are you talking about this is this is, this is where the gays pool. wait i don't think gays are lying in wait to pray nonces, on young pass right? no, no, i don't just mean well, he's, not, he's 21 mean he's not even a right. child that that's like <laughs> Young, dumb, and full of cum. Like, this would be like a nonce's dream. All right, in Kate Rambo's fantasy, there's two men. I'm sorry. At, at a pool, <laughs> one of them is, is inebriated, passes out, and the other man's like, great, now's my chance to suck his dick. So that's what's happening a, in Kate Rambo's I guess this, fantasy. This is a rape fantasy, then. <laughs> yeah. What I'm thinking is, yeah, this probably makes sense. You're probably wasted, don't remember what you did. And someone probably called you. I mean, someone probably called the cops on you. Do you or, think you got security. like belligerent? Or, Who like, knows? Wouldn't you just be like take him back to his room? But maybe he didn't know where his room was. Well, that's and probably what happened too. Yeah. And who knows what he did? I don't know. He might have taken a shit in the pool. You have no I idea. think he got his uh, willy whacker out and there was children present. <laughs> and he's the nonce. <laughs> Once again, in Kate's <laughs> twisted fantasies, <laughs> there's children <laughs> and there's grown men with their dicks out. Right. It was just a meme. That's why I got kicked off Facebook. It was uh, just yeah. A meme. <laughs> you don't even want to look through her bookmarks. Believe me, I've seen it <laughs> and I've only looked once because, you know, I'm married to her. <laughs> I don't want to oh, know. That's, that's, what, that's what I fucking hated. It was so fucking cold. And I was just like dressed like if I was about to go fucking swimming. And it, uh, that's what tripped me out, though, because I woke up in a fucking jail cell. And I was like, bro, what did I do? Like, the last thing I remember was being at the pool. Why am I here? <laughs> and it had to have been, like, 9 or 10 p.m. maybe at this point. And keep in mind, I didn't get oh, out shit. of there till like, 4 in the fucking morning. Ooh. They just left me there, man. They just fucked those fucking cops. They just left me there for a while. That's the dangers that of the day weekend. drinking, though. That's the dangers of day drinking. You just have no idea, like, sense of time or space, and you start drinking at, like, 3, and you keep going. If you would have been like your buddy who went and passed out at 9, that guy's probably going to be fine the next day. But the problem is yeah, you, you keep going. You also never want to be arrested on a weekend because they don't give a shit. They'll keep you in all weekend. You get arrested yeah, on stuck. a Tuesday, you're probably getting out on a Tuesday. And then, okay, I'm, I'm, that's about it, almost, but it's, what's funny also is they throw in some white guy, and the white guy is just, like, just screaming and calling them bitches and all this shit, because he's awake, you know, I, I was passed out, so they probably just chunked my ass in there, but he's screaming, and then later on he comes down, we start talking, bullshit talk, you know, just, you know, just bullshit, and then we're fucking both cold, freezing our asses off, and then we're like, and he goes, he goes, hey, I got an idea. How about I wrap you in toilet paper and you wrap me in toilet paper? And I was like, what the fuck? But in my head, I was like, God damn, that sounds... Are you turned on by that? 
It's like playing mummies. I think it's fun. <laughs> but would you be like, can I wrap your cock in toilet paper? Right. Well, that poses the question of what mummies did with their penises. Because, the, the like, do you squish the penis and balls into yourself? Or do you wrap them individually? Don't you think the penis probably just fell off? Yeah, through rotting eventually, but mummies weren't always rotting, were they? When you well, when you wrapped a mummy the first time, they were a fresh corpse. But I'm talking about toilet paper mummies, which is always delightful. And must I say, you don't see them enough at Halloween. It's like the band, the mummies. They used to wrap themselves up in toilet paper. So I wonder what the cops were doing while they were they must have been dying laughing, watching these two guys just kind of spinning around, Drunkies. getting rolled yeah. up in toilet paper. Although it is kind of, I mean, he's probably just wearing a bathing suit. It's freezing. What's funny is if that guy was over here in Britain, never would have been arrested. Ever, ever. They, they'll they only arrest you for being drunk and belligerent if you get super aggressive in a cop's face. But I don't think he was aggressive. I think he was just like super drunk and nobody was willing to help him find his room. But over here, they'd be like, sir, sir, we'll find your room. Don't worry, just sit down there. We'll find your room. Do you know what I mean? We're like overly helpful here. And plus we're a nation of drinkers. Yeah, we're accommodating. I'm surprised for just passing out on the floor of a bathroom, I couldn't imagine him getting arrested. Must something else must have prompted someone to call the cops. So he must've done something. I wonder if he has, like, his... Because you can apply to get your police file, can't you? He should apply to get his police file, and I wonder what it said. Maybe he was, like, maybe the cops rolled up, and he spat in their faces, which would... That would be an arrest here. Or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Don't get that energy. So we'd be there. (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm like a fucking mummy in the the tank. I'm just sitting there, man. I'm just sitting there just trying to be warm. I I just find it funny that his his cellmate's like, I'll wrap you up in toilet paper, and you wrap me up in toilet paper. How's that sound? And he's just like, pretty good to me because I'm freezing my nuts off in here. It's like a Paul Newman movie in the 1960s. I really love it. In my mind, I'm picturing his cellmate to be this like 350-pound black guy named Bubba. (laughs) He's just like, all right, spin around, boy. (laughs) He's just wrapping him up. I would be like, I'll do anything you say, Bubba. Sorry, I don't know why he's so I didn't get let out of there until like fucking 4 a.m. And my phone was like on fucking 2%. And I was able to call my friend before my phone died. And he was like, where are you? Because I guess, remember, he passed out. So when I called him and told him I was in a jail cell, he was like, what the fuck? I thought you were in bed the whole time. And then he came and got me, and we left literally that morning. <laughs> that day, we didn't wait till Sunday. We had to leave, and we left, like, literally after I got out. <laughs> but anyways, I'm trying not to be long. Fuck y'all. Love y'all. Bye. I wonder if when your friend picked you up, are you still wearing the uh, the toilet paper <laughs> outfit? Let me see. I was going to ask that. What a fucking great story. I love that story. I feel like I was not wild when I was 21, and I wish I had like a wild story like that. Uh, I got a, I got arrested in Lansing. I know I talked about this for urinating in public. Yeah, yours and... was for pissing. Yours wasn't yeah. for an undisclosed reason where you might have like got your todger out at a community pool. Well, I had my todger out when I was oh, tackled in the yeah. snow while I was pissing. And then as they were arresting me, um, I remember it was a female officer too, just tackled me because everyone else took off running. And I'm like, where's everyone going? Then bam, just tackled. <laughs> and like, I'm like, can I pull my pants up, please? 
And so, like, I, you know, I put my, my dick back in my pants. And then I was getting arrested because apparently urinating in public in Lansing, Michigan is a, is a pretty major offense there. It happens all the time. And so yeah. when I was talking to the cop, I was really drunk. I was like, you know, people are, like, being raped right now and murdered. And people, there are drive-bys in this town and people dealing drugs. And here, two police officers that the community is paying for arresting a guy pissing on a bush. And the dude was just like, keep on, keep on jabbering. I'll take you downtown. Keep on jabbering. Keep on jabbering, you liberal. We're going to yeah, take so, no, you I, in. I kept on jabbering. So, he got, so I got drunk and disorderly and urinating in public. And so they arrested I, me, and I had to be in a drunk tank just like this guy. It was fucking freezing. And I was just in this drunk tank. I didn't have a, you know, an amicable a relationship yeah, with, with, a, with, with a fellow inmate. It was just some drunk homeless guy that stank, and he was just passed out. And so I was sitting in there, and yeah, I was stuck. I, was, I got arrested. It sucked, too, because we drove from Ann Arbor, because I was at the University of Michigan, to hang out with, he was my guy that lived across the hall. It was a bunch of his friends from high school that went to Michigan State. So I didn't even know these people, nor did I even know their address. And so they were all at the party, didn't even know I got arrested. And so I pretty much spent the night in the drunk tank, and they let me out around four. There's no cell phones back then. And so I was just kind of sitting there like, fuck, I don't even know how to get a hold of these people, nor do I even know. So I was like sitting on the steps smoking weed, or smoking, not weed, smoking a cigarette. And uh, this woman, well, this guy showed up and he basically let, um, kind of paid the bail for this woman who was arrested for stealing a sign, this girl. And so I was chatting with her because she asked for a cigarette and I was just chatting with her. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't even know where my friends are. And she's like, why don't you come with us? We're going to a party. And it was her twin brother. And so she had been arrested, but right. she had to spend the night in the drunk tank. And we ended up going, it was, turned out it was their birthday. And we went to their house. They, they rented some house, a bunch of people. And it was a big party. We just got fucked up on mushrooms. Ended up shagging her, which is really funny. And then her brother gave me a ride, because he went to Eastern Michigan University, which is in Ypsilanti next to Ann Arbor. And he gave me a ride back. But it was weird, because we had to stop at their parents' house. She wasn't there. It was just me and the brother and helped the dad move a bunch of like lumber or something for his excavating company. That was your penance, Dave. That was your penance. Yeah, then we had to have dinner with her parents and it was just so awkward. The guy's like, so how do you know Michelle? And I'm like, oh, we go way back. For school. You you needed definitely some nourishment by that time. You'd been in jail and you'd had a lot of mushrooms and you already don't eat properly. So I'm glad that they fed you. This was many years ago. I saved my ex from getting arrested. They're... They cracked down against pissing in public here, Dave. Because remember when we went to Lisbon and we were in the old town, it stank like piss and everyone was just, I pissed in an alley, you pissed in an alley. Everyone's pissing in alleys in Lisbon. Over here, they're like, you can't piss because it's obviously acidic and it eats away at our precious sandstone buildings, which are 2,000 years old. So if they catch you pissing on stuff, oh, fuck. Well, my ex was pissing on the cathedral. Yeah, my ex was pissing on the cathedral. And I was like, this is like back when I smoked. So I was having a cigarette on the cathedral wall waiting for him. And these two police fucking geezers sauntered up and they were like, what's he doing over there? And I was like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. I was like, it's going to be fine. It's okay. And he, when he got wasted drunk, he was wasted. He was a lot like Texacana Kush here. Like he would just be like blacking out. And I wasn't as drunk as him. So I was walking us back and like protecting us. And I had a bag of food. I was like, 
we're just gonna go back home and watch a movie and eat this like eat these chips and like have a good time and she was like is he pissing i was like no 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 well, could they, could no. they hear it they couldn't tell well i think they were if i'd have been as drunk as him they totally would have got us both but i just I went over and I got him and I was like, put your dick in your fucking pants quick. And he was like, oh, eat then. Oh, fuck. Because he's Scottish. And I was like, don't say anything to them. Don't let them know and how the drunk And the bobbies were just standing there watching you guys? Yeah. And when I brought him back over, I was like, we're just going home, aren't we? You were just over there, like, ringing your mum to say that you're coming back to mine. And he was like, aye. Aye. And I was like, fuck, just fuck off. Because you can't say to a policeman, can he just fuck off now? Yeah, I mean, I had to. Pay, I saved his ass. I had to pay three hundred dollars. Well, the rabbi had to pay three hundred bucks. I didn't have three hundred dollars. Oh. The rabbi was very upset, very disappointed in uh, in my choice of toilet that night. And I was, I remember getting back, and I get back to the dorms, and there's my my friend from across the hall, and, it's just, and they're like, "Oh, we were wondering what happened where to you." I was like, you "Fuck dude? you guys, just ditch me." He's like, "Well, how were we supposed to know where you were?" He was like, "Take a guess." Well, that's what i mean you never leave a soldier behind i never would have left that town because i would have said there's a soldier here we have to ring the hospitals and we have to ring the jails now to try and find him we're not going to leave about that's very bad etiquette yeah they just i would split. never would never would have happened on my watch mate i'm telling yeah, you i was yeah i was not happy about that but i did learn a lesson um try to piss more secretly like in you, a bush yeah well i was pissing on a bush I wasn't like just pissing on a building. I was just pissing on a bush with, with like four other pissers. It was I can't tell you the amount of church graveyards I've pissed in in my time. Like probably into the, like, I don't know, 30s by this point, 40s. On someone's grave? It's happened sometimes. It really has. But I don't it think they're really haunted. dead. The dead don't care. They're probably like, that's the first pussy I've seen in a while. Golden shower. From a horrible angle, too. People can call the Signal Hotline 323-522-4032. Once again, big ups to all the listeners who support us on Patreon and who now support us on Apple Podcasts Connect. Uh, You can just go to Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to the show. You can go to patreon.com slash sickandwrong and and sign up and uh, just keep keep this podcast going, keeping it sick and wrong every week. Also, uh, I did upload some new uh, T-shirt designs to the the Tee Public store. It's the pervert shirt. Love the, the pervert the shirt. The sick and wrong pervert shirt in a couple different colors. So if you go to uh, sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop, uh, click on the picture of the Pope, head over to the Tea Public store and get yourself a pervert shirt. Pervert. Uh, finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. I was trying to find something that was somewhat topical, um, somewhat uh, related to the resurrection of zombie Jesus. And uh, yeah, we're going to end the show here with King Missile. Jesus was way cool. You know the song? I do not know the song. I don't even know this band. I don't think I don't know the song. Oh, King Missile is great. It's from 1990, from their album Mystical Shit. But here's a song about how cool Jesus was. Right on. He was really cool. He's a zombie. People will be back next week with episode 890. Till then, take it sleazy.
or vitamin pills into amphetamines. He walked on the water and swam on the land. He would tell these stories and people would listen. He was really cool. If you were blind or lame, you just went to Jesus and he would put his hands on you and you would be healed. That's so cool. He could have played guitar better than Hendrix. He could have told the future. He could have baked the most delicious cake in the world. He could have scored more goals than Wayne Gretzky. He could have danced better than Barishnikov. Jesus could have been funnier than any comedian you could think of. Jesus was way cool. He told people to eat his body and drink his blood. That's so cool. Jesus was so cool. But then some people got jealous of how cool he was, so they killed him. But then he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, danced around, and went up to heaven. I mean, that's so cool. Jesus was way cool. No wonder there are so many Christians. Wow. Oh, it's so great having a wobbly H over here with Natalie Wood and William Shatner. Oh, God, it's so good. I feel like I can't hold out much longer. Oh, can't understand why you're doing this, Chris. I'm not gay. Neither am I, but doesn't it feel good? Oh, gonna, gonna, gonna blow one. Wowie, wow. Oh. I hope you weren't recording this. Don't want to end up on sick and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 